0: The awkward silence is my cue. We are thankful to have you here this morning, and just want to go through a couple of announcements as we get started. Just wanted to thank everyone who prayed this week for uh, Cross Camp. We had a great week at Laguna Beach, um, us and five other churches, and um, just a, a week of worshiping the Lord. Our theme was Your Kingdom Come, as you can tell from Matthew five. So the next two years, we'll we'll go through the Sermon on the Mount. So. We're already thinking ahead to cross camp 2024 but just a great week of worship. I told Brooke on the way here this morning I don't know that we've had a camp that I've been to that we have I felt like we worshiped as well and as as um, freely and as powerfully as we did this week just in the worship and the and the times of services. It was just a really refreshing um, and I can report between the Between the five, six churches that went, I know of at least seven salvations um, that happened this week at camp. So we are so thankful that God is moving and working um, in our students, in our young people. So we are so thankful for what he's doing, thankful for all the volunteers. If you see a volunteer, an adult that has this shirt on, give them a hug and uh, tell them, you know, go home and take a nap this afternoon. So we are so thankful for, for them. Continue to pray this week as we head, a couple of us head to Rockridge. So we leave tomorrow morning to go up to Rockridge, and we'll have students and leaders go into Rockridge this week for 9- to 12-year-old camp for the Carrollton Baptist Association. So once again, just pray that God would move and direct um, in the hearts of the kids and the leaders this week. And uh, we're just so thankful that he's faithful um, to continue to grow his church. A couple of other things going on tonight. There is a deacons meeting at 6 o'clock. Um, that's the only thing happening on campus tonight, no students, no kids tonight, but we will have normal services this Wednesday, 6-15 um, for kids, adults, and students. Is there any, was there something else? Sorry, my brain is, is barely making it right now. Um, so we're going to have Rail come forward, and he's going to give us a little update on the food pantry, and uh, then we'll move forward in our worship service.
1: Hello, everyone. Those those of you that don't know, Janet and I have been gone for 23 days. Don't know whether you missed us or not, but we are proud to be back, needless to say. Uh, a lot of changes has gone on with our food pantry uh, involving our food situation. Uh, before the end of September, y'all will say, oh, no, derail is getting up again. Because what, the, what our government, uh, state, and federal has decided to do is Normally, 80% of our food we get is for everybody. That means uh, single people, husband and wife, kids. We pretty much give the food whoever we wanted to and ever how much we wanted to. Well, 80% of what we've been getting is, was for that. Well, our government has decided to put the emphasis on children and families with children, Between June and September, so they reversed our food on us. 80% of what we will be getting can only be given to families with kids. That only leaves 20% for everybody else. I got 10,000 pounds coming in Wednesday. Over, I think about when I figured it up, 85% of that 10,000 pounds is for kids. So we will have no canned products to be able to give out between now and probably on into October sometime. So we need canned goods of any kind. It doesn't matter what it is. You know, the small cans, uh, you know, some of the cans are a little bit taller than the 14-ounce uh, ones. But we need lots of canned food. So about every two weeks, I'll probably be standing up and reminding y'all that, hey, we need canned food. Uh, Get it to the church if you can. And if we need to pick it up, just let myself or Neil know and we'll make arrangements to come pick it up. But we need lots of canned food. Thank you.
2: Good morning. If you'll stay in this morning, we're going to begin worship with singing How Great Thou Art.
3: Morning out of Isaiah fifty-three, verses three through five. I thought, man, what a what an appropriate scripture to read today. But then I don't know that there's an inappropriate scripture to read any day. Amen. Uh, Neil texted me this, and uh, and this scripture's been on my mind. I've been thinking about it, so uh, I, I read something that jay vernon mcgee some of you know jay who jay vernon mcgee was he said a young man joined the church and presented himself for baptism and apparently in this church the deacons kind of questioned the person to make sure that everything was good with him and uh and they said you know describe what happened to you and he said well said uh i was saved he said i i, I did my part and god did his part and that kind of worried him a little bit <laughs> and they said okay just can you explain to us exactly what God's part was what your part was. He said, oh, I did the sinning and God did the saving. (laughs) And really and truly, that's what these verses are about today. There's us and there's God. In these verses, there's, there's me and there's you and there's God. Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was. He was like someone people turned away from. He was despised, and we did not value him. Yet, yet, he himself bore our sicknesses, and he carried our pains. But we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our rebellion, crushed because of our iniquities. Punishment for our peace was on him, and we are healed by his wounds. We are healed by his wounds. The reason this has been on my heart is I have a first cousin who is suffering from uh, from a form of leukemia, and the only. Cure for what he has medically is he has to have a bone marrow transplant but his cancer at this point is so bad that he can't have the transplant and so he's going through round after round of chemotherapy trying to kill the cancer enough to where he can have the transplant and uh, and you know if he does hopefully and prayerfully he'll be healed while this has been on my mind, I know this is talking about we're healed. By his stripes, we're healed from the sickness of our sin, and I get that. But you know what? We're also healed from the, the, the results of sin. And my cousin knows Jesus, and he's going to be healed one way or the other. You know what? All of us who know him are going to be healed. Let's pray. Father. I thank you for this day father i thank you for your son jesus who came and father i thank you personally for myself that you loved me so much that you died for me while i was still a sinner father that, that, that you took my transgressions upon you and, and you took my sin upon you and father that you paid the penalty for the sin that i owed Father, really and truly, my contribution was the sinning, nothing else. Everything else was you. And I'm grateful and I'm thankful for that. And I pray, Father, today as we listen to what you prepared through Pastor Neil for us to hear and through the uh, taking of the Lord's Supper, that, Father, not only will we remember what you did, Father, that we'll be grateful and thankful and give you thanks for what you've done. I ask these things in the name of your precious Son, Jesus. Amen.
2: Precious Heavenly Father God, Lord, thank you so much um, just for allowing us to worship this morning, God, Lord, thank you for bringing us into um, your house um, and just uniting us as brothers and sisters in Christ, God, Lord. We thank you and praise your name for the work you did at youth camp this past week, and Lord, we just call on to you to be with our children um, and Sarah Beth and Bryson as they go to Rockridge this week, God, um, and finish their um, trifecta three weeks of ministry work, God. Lord, um, we just thank you for the book of Galatians and what it's been teaching us over the weeks, God. And as we look at it this morning, God, Lord, I pray um, specifically that you prepare our hearts for communion, God, um, as we just reflect on um, (laughs) the sinning we've done and the saving that you're willing to do, God, if we just allow you um, into our lives and into our hearts and to lead and guide us and direct us. Lord, be with our children as they go to Children's Church and just have your way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Children are going to the back to Children's Church. Good job. Thank
4: you. <clears throat> okay, if you have your Bibles as the children leave, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Well, the end of chapter 5. Hey, I've got good news to report. Um, I want to thank our church for generosity and sacrifice those are two words that um, exemplify what it means to understand the gospel and put it into practice in real tangible ways so while I'm singing about Christ hallelujah what a savior over here Gina Kingston comes beside me and startles me (laughs) I guess I'm paranoid But she reported to me the good news. Several weeks ago, um, we took up an offering for a ministry starting in style. Remember that? Helping young girls along the way uh, with resources and uh, different things that they need at that stage in life. $6,500 was given to starting in style ministry. Amen. Then last week, Ronnie Hopkins was here with Jerry, who was going to Thailand. If you were here last Sunday, he spoke, and $2,400 was taken up to support Jerry in Thailand. So, a lot is going on, and a lot of good things are going on, and I want to thank our church again for uh, demonstrating the love of Christ in, in real and practical ways. And then there's, there's youth camp. I, too, was at youth camp. Uh, Darrell mentioned that he had been gone for 23 days. It feels like a month since we were here last Sunday. Um, but I, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank Bryson, Sarah Beth, the adult leaders that we have, Giles, And Stephanie, um, I know Giles did, took a week of vacation to go be with us at youth camp. And Giles has done that for years. Um, There were others. Ashley uh, was there. Um, Who else was there? (laughs) The Grissage. Yeah, I'm going to talk about her in my sermon, so I'll give you a little (laughs) heads up in that. And since she's not here, I'm free to talk about her. But anyway, what a blessed and wonderful week. So let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. I want to start with verse 22. And then we're going to make the turn into chapter 6, which is the last chapter in Galatians. And as we make that turn, I want us to understand that God is calling us all to be a part of His work. And to be a part of what we will call this morning fruitful relationships. Relationships that are driven by grace and dominated by the fruit of the Spirit, which we find in verses 22 and 23. So, several Sundays recently, we have highlighted the fruit of the Spirit. This morning, we're going to talk about how to put the fruit of the Spirit into practice in real and tangible ways. So just to connect all of this and the flow from chapter 5 into chapter 6, Paul writes, in contrast to the works of the flesh, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. We could sort through this daily and see where we lack these qualities and we can also see how we can put these into practice. Such a helpful reminder of the evidence of the work of the Spirit in our lives. Now, verse 24, Now those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also walk. By the Spirit. Let us not become boastful or conceited. This is where we were last Sunday morning, because if we become full of ourselves and conceited, then we will begin challenging one another, verse 26, or envying one another, the end of verse 26. So then listen to his appeal in chapter 6, verse 1. Brethren... Even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual. So now you know why I read the fruit of the Spirit. Who are the spiritual people among us? Those who have and cultivate and bear the fruit of the Spirit. You who are spiritual, restore. Restore such a one, the one who was caught in any sin... In a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thus fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. Each one shall bear his own load. Each one shall bear his own load. Father, we are grateful already for what we've sung and what we've heard. for The words Jerry spoke in regards to Isaiah 53... Now prepare our hearts at the end of the service to remember you through communion, through the Lord's Supper. As Father, you know that I'm preaching this sermon in light of uh, the broken body and the shed blood of Christ. So through the word, prepare us for understanding our community, our family. The need to be menders and helpers. We can only understand that and be that by going again and again to the Lord's table, where in humility we recognize that Christ is our mender, Christ is our burden bearer. Thank you, Father, for your work among us this week at camp. Thank you for the work among us in generosity to ministries that are needful and helpful in light of the gospel. Thank you, Lord, for the grace you give to each one of us, which we all so desperately need. To Christ be all honor and glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, what does it mean for us to have fruitful Christian relationships, both in the church, in our particular congregation, and in uh, congregations at large, similar to what Bryson just described. We had six churches together this past week at youth camp. So we had probably 130 total, counting students and adult workers. Now, youth camp is a test, okay, involving a lot of different things. But since we are speaking particularly about the fruit of the Spirit and how we put that into practice, I was reminded this week of one of my favorite classes in high school was a class called Agricultural Mechanics. And one of my favorite teachers in high school was a man named Robert Kennedy. And in Ag Mechanics, we learned a lot of practical, real things that I had never done before. For example, welding. So one of the things Mr. Kennedy would do is we would spend weeks in the classroom preparing, learning how to do it, how to be safe, what the purpose is, all this book stuff. And then... We would go out into the shop and put into practice what we had learned in the classroom. And I'll never forget what Mr. Kennedy said about me. He says, oh, oh, Aubrey, he thinks he's smart. We're going to get him out here in the shop, and we'll see if he can work with his hands. So at youth camp, Bryson alluded to this. We had these powerful worship services. Some of my closest, most trusted pastor friends preached every night. We had a guy named Logan Creasy who came for the second straight year and led us in praise and worship. And it was all so, so good and enriching. And the gospel was saturating everything we were doing in the worship service. That was the classroom. But the real test of whether or not we were getting and embracing and living out the gospel, was not in the worship setting. Where was it? It's on the basketball court. <laughs> it was in the bunk cabins. It was in the cafeteria. It was at the snack shack, okay? The gaga ball pit. And so we found that for ourselves and our students... It's one thing to go to worship and say, praise Jesus, we love him, we grasp that he died for us, we grasp what he's done. But when it comes to working it out in real life, that's often, in the shop, another story. So all of us are growing in this area. So here's my point. Paul comes into Galatians chapter 6 and he is telling the church, okay, you've grasped the theology, Now, the challenge is to put it into practice. And one of the ways that you're going to be tested and realize where you are and also prove or exhibit the genuineness of the fruit in your life is how you respond when people around you sin. So here is a real-life scenario. Now, what I want us to understand in in just verses 1 through 5, in light of the fruit of the Spirit and how we put that into practice, I'm going to give us six phrases this morning that all of us need to understand if we are going to live this out well. Here we find ourselves in worship where, let's be honest, it's easier here to be full of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness But when we walk out that door, then we are exposed as to how we are really appropriating this fruit into our lives. And the rest of chapter 6 is about practical living out the gospel. So my first phrase this morning is this. For us to do this well... We must remember that we are family and friends. And where I get that is the first part of verse 1. What does he introduce this new section with? Brethren. Brothers and sisters. He has said, stop being so conceited. Stop challenging one another. Stop envying one another. And then he jumps into this truth. We are friends. Family, y'all. We are a supernatural, spiritual, born-from-above group of people. Bought by the blood of Christ. That means that we are connected in a way that no other group of people is connected in the world. Do you remember when Jesus was told by his disciples, Hey, your mom and your brothers are outside And he kind of came across as rude, but he was making a point to those who were listening. He says, my family, my mother, and my brothers, and my sisters are those who know and follow and do the will of God. And he was making a statement there about the spiritual koinonia, the connectedness that all of us have in Christ. Friday after camp, my wife and I went to a wedding in Bremen, at a pretty small venue. I was just happy to sit down and be there. And I was also happy not to be doing the wedding. And when I'm not doing the wedding, man, I I tune in because I know what it's like to be the guy up front. And the pastor at the wedding introduced the service like this. The pastor said, Here in this sacred, special moment, we have for these two people the most important people in their lives, their families and their friends. There are only so many people that could be in there. And so I looked at myself and thought about myself, I'm pretty special, (laughs) all right? Hey, I got an invite. And then what if... Somebody stood up who was in authority and said, Neil, you you come on down front. And you sit near the the altar. Because we consider you one of the family. Paul has some difficult truths to tell. And some difficult principles to put into practice. But the... And I've got to move through this, but, but we have got to, cont- and he's going to say it again, we've got to grasp that all of us are bound together forever. And that we genuinely are family and friends. You know how to apply that to your earthly family, your physical family, and your earthly and physical friends. This is a spiritual dynamic that drives everything that we do. We've got to move on to number two. Not only are we family and friends, and greater love has no one this than this that he laid on his life for his friends. But you and I are also fallen. We're fallen. We're sinners. We're going to mess up. And so in this particular case, Paul is saying a test of whether or not you grasp the gospel and bear the fruit of the spirit in your life is how do you respond When someone else's sin comes to light. We are fallen. So there are going to be times, look at verse 1. Even if a man is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, and then he goes on and tells us how to respond. But the thing we need to say in passing is that all of us continually battle the world, the flesh, and the devil. All of us live in a culture that is pressing us to be conceited and selfish and challenging and envious. So here in the shop of life, your heart is exposed by how you respond to people who are caught. And let's be honest, sometimes, because of our pride and selfishness, when other people are caught, we secretly like it. Why? Well, that kind of makes us feel better about ourselves. Or we gossip about it. I'm not going to go into all the ways we respond. I want to get to the point. But here's, here, here's the deal. At youth camp this past week, Double red flags all week long. Anytime I go to the Gulf, I look forward to getting into that salt water. But this week, I ain't getting in. I heard that someone connected to our group, not in our group, but connected to our group, two $500 fines. But even worse, there were drownings. And you and I think at times that we're great swimmers. That doesn't apply to me. But I read a story last night by a mom. Before they knew it, and the flag warnings had gone to one flag, so legally you could get back in. Man, those riptides and those undertoes, before they knew it, they were carried out to sea. And people were scrambling to rescue and to help. And the same thing happens with you and me. Paul, in chapter 5, had repeatedly given warnings about the works of the flesh. But if you're like me, before you know it, someone you care about, someone you love, maybe you yourself... This happened to me at the gulf, swimming in the ocean. Before you knew it, that, that undertow and that current just took you out, and you were way out there in no man's land. So that's why Paul caveats this with, if anyone is caught in any trespass, remember yourself. Remember yourself. Romans 3 applies to me. Romans 3 applies to you. And it says, all have sinned and fallen short of his glory. There's none righteous, no, not one. And within the church, there are going to be times when people are caught crossing God's boundaries. How are you going to respond when people are caught that you know, that you love, crossing God's boundaries? I couldn't help but think, of the adulterous woman in John chapter 8, who it literally says she was caught in adultery. How did Jesus handle that particular situation? One of the things he said is that, you who are here, accusers, without sin, cast the first stone. Our Lord responded graciously and honestly knowing the heart and the condition of everybody in the room, everybody at the camp, everybody in the school, everybody at the workplace. Brace yourself. The currents and the riptides of our culture are as strong as ever, and there are double red flags everywhere about the works of the flesh. And people are going to get swept out to sea people we love and care about, people like you and me. So we are family and friends. We are fallen. Number three, we are fruitful. God has not left us without resources. We have love. We have joy. We have peace. So what we bring to the table and Jerry kind of alluded to this, we are sinners and we bring our sin to the table, but there's God. God also brings His grace to the table, and God empowers us to be fruitful with His Spirit, His resources, His work, and on and on and on. So what you and I bring to the table that's different from what the world brings to the table is the fruit of the Spirit. And that's why I emphasized as I read verse 1. Even if a man is caught in any boundary crossing, you who are what? Spiritual. He is speaking to a certain type of person who has a certain type of spirit. It's those who are spiritual. Spiritual. Those who don't just have momentary bursts of joy or bursts of love, but a steady stream of love and grace flowing in their life so that they can then share that out of their life. Again, Jesus dealt with sinners in a unique way, and the word is emphasized in verse 1, and that word is gentleness. You who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of what? Gentleness. How did Jesus deal with sinners when they were caught in trespasses? Oh, he brought truth, but he brought grace. And he brought gentleness. Were it not for the kindness of the Lord, we would never have an opportunity for repentance. Repentance. So, when an incident occurs or a trespass happens, simply put, I better be prayed up, read up, full of grace in the Spirit, or else when I come into there, I will not be a shower of blessing. I will be a thunderstorm or a tornado. And there's a big difference. And when people are caught in a trespass, that is a dark, dry, lonely place to be. And sometimes in our desire to help, our desire to intervene, we come in like a judge, like a police officer, like a tornado or a thunderstorm, when in this particular case what's needed is a shower of blessing, a shower of grace, a shower of truth. I'm just trying to give us a picture of what it looks like to be salt and light in a sinful fallen world and the type of people we are called to be as we help in a gracious way those who are caught in any trespass. I must move on. So we are family, we're fallen, we're fruitful. We're not helpless. God's providing. Number four, and I'll be honest, I'm pressing the alliteration on this a little bit. We are first responders, all right? You know me. I couldn't stand it. I was going to say helpers, I was going to say menders, but I'm going to say first responders because... First responders have to be a certain kind of person. Have you ever noticed that when something traumatic or an incident happens, the first responders will show up first and they'll say, hey, everybody stand back. Let us assess the situation before we start moving this person or we're going to do more damage. So let's see ourselves not as judges, not as police officers, but but more like first responders, that that we arrive on the scene equipped with the fruit of the Spirit, trained and aware and humble. Because there are two words here in this passage that really enlighten how we are to be. Now the first word is in verse 1. Look at that word restore. That's an interesting word. When Jesus called the first disciples, it says in Mark that they were mending their nets. And think about being a fisherman. How often would you have to mend those nets? Some of you work with equipment. You know that equipment's always breaking down, and you got to keep that stuff up. That's part of the challenge. If you were a fisherman, nets would, they, they would break. They would become weak. They would become torn. So to restore means to mend it back. And the disciples, this is interesting, isn't it? When Jesus called them, they were mending their nets. They were restoring their nets from their brokenness. This word is also used of the setting of a bone that had been broken or out of place. So, so one of the things we do as spiritual first responders is that our goal is mending, okay? Okay? How can I, in this particular situation, come into that situation and alleviate suffering rather than add to suffering? How can I be a person who is spiritual, and when I show up, I desire to mend? Then the other word that's interesting here is in verse 2. Bear one another's burdens. Sin is a burden self is a burden trespassing is a burden so here comes the spiritual christian the person who is filled and loving and all the they they come and and they're mending and they're bearing this means to come alongside and help carry a very heavy weight and so to cut to the chase a first responder in an incident where someone is caught in a trespass, we go into the situation, we initiate in the situation, and we start mending and we start bearing. We start mending and we start bearing. Now, the other thing I thought of as I thought through this is that you have in Luke 15 some parables. There was a lost sheep, and someone goes to the lost sheep and carries the lost sheep back home. Then there was a lost coin, and a woman searched, and she looked for the lost coin. But then there was a father. And the father was the kind of person that the son said, I'm in trouble. I'm broken. Tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my father. So in Christian ministry, I'm thinking through this, and I'm thinking there are two angles to this. I'm to be the type of person who will go and mend and help and bear, but I also want to be the kind of person who I may not even be aware of their trespass. I may not be aware of their burden, but they call us to the side and they say something like this. Can I talk to you sometime this week? Can I chat with you in the next few days? Because I have, I have something going on. So, so there's the seeking and then there's the being. And as first responders, sometimes they show up uninitiated. They're just aware. And then there's sometimes when they are sought out. So if you recognize I'm, I'm, I'm family here, okay? We're family. We're also all fallen and broken. We're all bearing. We're all in need of mending. I'm also fruitful. God is at work. I'm going to respond in such a way that communicates the fruit of the Spirit in this particular situation with grace and truth and especially Gentleness. Now, we had someone at camp with us. I already gave you a heads up. So here's the Tracy Grissett part of the sermon. Man, off and on all week long. People had injuries, cuts, sprains, headaches, you name it. Somebody comes to me, I say, go to Tracy Grissett. <laughs> all right, I'm, I'm not equipped. I'm not a camp nurse. All week long, yes, Bryson. I probably don't have any idea how many people went to Tracy Grissett. Because Tracy Grissett's a very special person, as Bill already knows. And all week long, in gentleness and knowledge, filled with the Spirit, and she was bearing and mending in her own special way. So if you want to know the type of person that I'm presenting to be what you need to be for your family, for your church, for our community, I would say go like Tracy Grissett, and I would say be like Tracy Grissett, and then you're going to help, and you're going to mend, and you're going to bear, but then the other side of this is people are going to say, hey, I I know somebody that you need to talk to may not be me. I haven't been through what you've been through. I don't know what that burden is like, but I know a man who can, that type of thing. So we're family, we're fallen, we're fruitful, we're first responders, which means we are menders and helpers. We're menders and helpers, we're menders and bearers. The fifth point is that, hey, we are focused. And we're going to have to do a little work on this one because what he says several times in this passage, and and, and I want to highlight these, because for you to be able to help in a spiritual, mending, bearing way, you have to keep watch over your own heart and life. Or you're going to do more harm than good. Several times he pointed this out. Verse 2, each one looking to yourself, lest you too be tempted. Then look at what he adds. If you think you're something when you're nothing, you better examine yourself. And this word examine was a word that was used to test metals to see whether or not they were pure and genuine. The real thing. Test your own work. Then he says in verse 5, each one should bear his own load. Each one bear his own load. Wait a second. Has he not just contradicted himself? He said earlier to bear one another's loads, and now he's talking about each person bearing their own load. Help me understand this. That's my job, so let me help you understand it. There's a burden that you alone can bear you and you alone before God, that no one else can bear. The word used for burden in verse 2 is a very heavy load that no one can bear alone. The word he uses in 5 is is a word that's kind of like a backpack. So I noticed at camp a lot of kids had their own personal backpack. It would be like telling every kid in the camp, okay, Everybody help with all the big stuff together because nobody by themselves can carry this load, but every single one of you can carry your own backpack. So Paul is talking about grace and community, but now he talks about personal responsibility. Personal responsibility is not selfishness. In fact... Your personal walk with God as you examine your life in light of the word, in light of God's holiness, it is absolutely necessary to do any of these things that we've talked about. Because Jesus said, if you have a log in your eye, how in the world can you get a speck out of someone else's eye? You're going to do more harm than good. If you are blind and you're leading the blind, you're both going to fall into the ditch. What do they tell you on the airplane? Before you can help somebody else, you put first your oxygen mask on and then you help others. Before you dive into the ocean to swim and rescue, you better consider whether or not you can swim and rescue or you're both going to sink. So this is driving me and driving you to examine our lives in light of, hey... Ask yourself the tough questions. Before you ever apply the tough questions to other people, you sort through that in your own life. It's interesting what he says. Verse 4. Let each one examine his own work. Then he'll have reason for boasting in regard to himself and not compare to other people. Listen, I got to land this thing. I got to close this thing because the whole point is what we're about to do. Here's what's going to happen. As you finally test yourself and not everybody else, as you finally become more concerned about what God has yet to do in you, that you don't become critical of what He's yet to do in other people, you test yourself and it's going to send you running to Christ. For grace and love and forgiveness test yourself first and then you'll find that there is no boasting in you there's no conceit in you with the light of his word and his purity shining on my life and, 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 and comparing my life to, to the fruit of the spirit and, and what, I, what I'm truly called to be In light of the cross? And all my boasting has to be there. So my last point, family, is this one. We are forgiven. We are forgiven. By his grace. By his blood. And once you grasp the grace of the law of Christ. That this is Christ. My self-examination should send me desperate and broken and humbled and running to Christ and the cross. And then examining my life in light of that cross fills my life with the spiritual resources I need to then go into the situations and be what God has called us to be. We're forgiven. I think we sang it earlier, that on the cross... My burden gladly bearing. He died to take away my sin. That when we come to the Lord's Supper, Paul said, Let every man examine himself, do personal spiritual inventory that will send you running to the law of Christ, dependent on the law of Christ, because the law of Christ says it is finished, and the law of Christ says, he is risen, and from the forgiveness and grace that we receive, then we are able to go and help in a spiritual, gentle way those who may be caught in a trespass. I'll close with this, because this is a hard lesson for us to learn. So after the last night, Thursday night, worship service, several, a big, big cleanup job, okay? Thursday nights, you got to break down the cafeteria, break down the worship center, and a lot of that involves some heavy lifting. I pick up a real heavy tote, and I'm by myself. And I'm struggling, I'll be honest with you. But I didn't ask for help. I've moved through the worship center door and I'm going down the sidewalk, headed to my truck you know, just lugging this thing along. And a lady from another group standing out there, and she says, do you need help? I said, no, I got it. You know, I'm a man. I got it. I took two more steps. I was about halfway to the truck. And I said, no, you know what? Now that I think about it, I do need some help. I do need some help. And she helped me carry it, placing it on the truck. Listen, I cannot bear this burden alone. I must tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. Jesus can help you. Jesus alone. He was torn. So that you and I could be mended. The passage Jerry read, he was our burden bearer, taking the guilt and the wrath and the sinfulness. He was the Lamb of God to take away the sin of the world. He is our burden bearer. He is our mender. And this supper is what pictures that. All of us. We all individually participate in both the sin and the grace. So Jesus said, take all of you and receive all of you the benefits of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Here's our forgiveness. Here's what demonstrates that the ultimate burden of sin and death and the great has, has already been borne by Jesus. This is where our mending comes from, and that's why... Jesus said, you need to remember me and you need to do this and all of you personally need to appropriate this in your life because this is a broken, sinful, fallen world and you're called to be filled with the fruit of the Spirit which only comes from God's gospel. Father, thank you this morning for telling us who we are and telling us what we're called to be. And telling us that in this world, sin is a trap and a snare. And there are times when we will be caught. Others will be caught. May we take the grace from the cross and the resurrection and first believe ourselves. Receive ourselves the grace of Jesus. Then, and only then, And we go out and be salt and light, mending and bearing and helping in all the appropriate ways. So now as we enter into communion, all the truths we've talked about in our sermon are right here. They're right here with the senses of taste, smell, and hearing the proclamation of the gospel. Thank you for such a powerful means of communicating to us what it is to receive and to give and to share from the work you have done for us as individuals and also as a family. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to transition to communion. If our deacons would come forward. We'll pass this out to each individual. You and I are called, if we are born again Christians, to receive this as a reminder of his grace. And when we receive it, then as we go out, we can share it. Hey, one item of, I guess, a talking point. Uh, today, Ms. Crystal, I want to thank Crystal and Jeff for preparing once a month this very important family meal. But the crackers are a little different, okay? <laughs> so this is just real talk. Uh, but the message is the same. His broken body for you. Hey, Mr. Jackie Wayne, would you pray for us be- before, as we prepare for this? Thank you. In the passage I referred to earlier in the message, I'm going to read a portion. Paul says, I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And they did eat. In the same way, he took the cup also. In the same way, Jesus took the cup also after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you do it in remembrance of me. And they did drink. So often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. Let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation. Amen. Well, we sing I must tell Jesus and now Luke Reeves wants to tell the church because one of the conversations Bryson alluded to uh, at camp was a conversation that we had with Luke and Luke felt pressing on his heart and soul that he uh, wanted to accept Christ as his, his Savior and he did that at camp and so now he comes before the church to not only share that good news and make that profession but to join us. And to be baptized soon. So, Erica, we are grateful for you and your family and Luke. Uh, what a wonderful blessing, first of all, but I also pray, Luke, you've been here your whole life. We love you. We love you, and we will continue to be for you pastor and church and church family that, uh, that will see you grow and, and thrive. It's been a pleasure, Luke, to, 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 to be with you at camp this past week. So, what's the pleasure of going Baptist church? Okay, here a second. All in favor, let me know by saying amen. 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 Uh, Rodney, why don't you come and stand with Luke and Erica? Anybody else? Bryson, why don't you come stand with Luke and Erica? We'll get everybody standing up here. Show Luke the resources that are around him. Uh, so, Deacon and Family Life Pastor, after we close with prayer, uh, y'all come by and let Luke know how grateful we are for what God is doing in his life. Anything else as we close? Okay. Thank y'all. That will dismiss the service. Thank you for your patience.
2: All right. Y'all are going to sing Family of God. Ready? (laughs) I'm so glad I'm a part Have a great week.